Welcome to another edition of the Game Preview Podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Cynthia Freeland. The Jets are 3-2. and two. It's cheese week because the Jets are going to Green Bay to take on the Packers. I love cheese. I know that as a Jets fan, you're not supposed to like cheese this week because it's Jets Packers. Got it. I, I think um, I think that might be our halftime discussion. A little cheese-centric discussion. You, what do we think about that? I like it. I like where your head's at. Yeah, I'm liking the new set, by the way, Cynthia. This is like, five, we're what, six weeks in now, and it's like the fourth set? It's a little sparse right now. We're, <laughs> listen, do not move in the beginning of the football season. That is the lesson. Um, but I found the important things, my mini helmets back, which makes me very happy. There's just got to get so. I don't know what you went over here yet. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're, it's going to be A-okay. Yeah, the one side looks great, but then you, you set the there. bar pretty high. Ugh. So I know. Ugh. What was wrong with the last set, though? Well, that's like upstairs in the living room, and I want this to stay mm-hmm. still. And I, I would like some separation. So, okay, you know, that's this is like a bedroom that's converted. Hey, wait, I'm figuring <laughs> it out. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. New place, new set. You, you got to work it out. It's like a new system, right? Like you got you got to work through the kinks, which is a great segue because the last time the Jets were in Green Bay, they were figuring it out. It was a preseason game. It was an up and down week because the Jets won the preseason game. They lost Carl Lawson for the year. Anyway, there's a lot to break down. Let's dive right into the first quarter, which which is a uh, I think a topic that's on the minds of most Jets fans. That's Brees Hall and. I think when you look at a lot of the trends that the league in the league right now over the past couple of years, everyone's like, it's a passing league. You look at all the quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, running back, still very much in the forefront of the NFL. And Brees Hall right now, Cynthia, seems like the Jets found themselves a good one. Yeah, well, I mean, you can pass to him too, clearly. I mean, he had even more yards in the pass game than he did in the run game. Two things really stood out about his performance against the Dolphins. The first was the outside Look at that. Look at that. Outside zone rushes <laughs> where he averaged 7.1 yards per attempt. It was like 64 of his total seven, 97 yards came on those such runs. Like that's super impressive. That is what we kind of thought from this run game. That's the, the way that it sort of built this offense seems to operate best when that's going to be able to happen. That was super encouraging. The second thing, and it's, this one's a little, you know, there's one big play that makes this one kind of hilarious. But on that 79-yard reception in the first quarter, plus 30 receiving yards after the catch over expected. Plus 30! That's, like, more than teams sometimes get in three games, like, as a team as a whole, right? So it's just an, it's just an interesting note to say they know how to use him. They can scheme to find open space. He made the best of it. That was a really impressive run. So it's kind of the, the multiple versions of what – it's being expected then of course you know fantasy owners are kind of like um so on those goal line stands like what's going on with the michael carter situation but he still got his touchdown so just maybe not two you know maybe the other two fantasy (laughs) managers like oh come on michael carter but jets i feel like though on the flip side if you're a michael carter owner you're probably like okay not a great game but like thank you jets coaching staff for putting michael carter in on the goal line so it's kind of a double-edged sword there because i know like a lot of fans who let's say you're not a fan or a fantasy player you're watching the jets game and you're a jets fan you're like oh really like Brees hall just took the rock 79 yards and michael carter's gonna go one and get the credit for the touchdown like it, it was if you're Brees Hall, one, you're probably just you're thankful he got in the end zone at some point in the game because if he didn't score at all, there would have been maybe something there. But of course, Michael Carter gets two, Brees Hall gets one. 
Cynthia, what does it say to you that Brees Hall is doing this five weeks into the season? Um, that they did a great job drafting this year. I mean, their the rookie situation is great. I do have a piece of trivia here for our like you know our special for our listeners because okay. they need to know. So five rushing touchdowns that ties for second most in Jets history. Do you want to know who the other two opponents were and when? Uh, yeah. Same team, different name. Both okay. Boston. <laughs> Both Boston teams. Okay. One in 68, one in 93. I don't even know if you were born then. So I certainly was I, born in 68, I but I was born in 93. Fifth. Exactly. So <laughs> that's fun, though. Tied for second most. So, ah, you know, two, a three-way tie for second most. Wow. Look at that. Trivia. And you know who definitely, you know who definitely wasn't born then? Brees Hall. <laughs> yeah. Brees Hall was yeah. not definitely did not have any chance to see either of those games because no yep. no way but but look it's it shows not only there's there's two things it shows one there's been a lot of change along the o-line a lot of uncertainty a lot of switches a lot of this player playing here this player played but 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 like all these different spots right and what it does show you is that they're figuring out the scheme and it they're making those run blocks work and that's a big deal because getting that run game going helps with everything they're trying to develop with Zach Wilson. We saw it when we when we get to the Zach Wilson portion of this pod, we will talk about it, but the run and the and the pass, they are hand in glove and they have to work together and figuring out how to make the best use of both running backs and specifically Brees Hall. It shows you that they picked the right man and that's really hard to do coming out of college. Also, this is a Cynthia Freeland stat, but it, it works perfectly here. The Jets are the only team with two rookies with over 250 scrimmage yards. One of them is Brees Hall, one of them Garrett Wilson. Obviously, both of those guys are playing key factors for this team this year. And it, it's just crazy to think that really the last two years, the Jets rookies like last year, Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Brandon Eccles, Michael Carter the second, all those guys played significant roles. Almost all of those guys have significant roles on the team this year. Then you factor in Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall. I mean, the Jets rookie class last year and this year has really set up, Cynthia, what I think a lot of people in the league think as a really promising nucleus moving forward. Daniel Jeremiah, who was one of my coworkers, I think he ranked I think that I can't remember the numbers, but I know that both of those guys were in his top 10 through four weeks even. And that was even before the explosion of last week with Brees Hall. And it just maybe it goes to show you that, like, you know, Joe Douglas knows how to draft well and the coach can communicate well. And maybe maybe some things are coming together. Right. Like this is all positive stuff. I think it's all positive. And you can't not be excited if you're a Jets fan about the trajectory of this team. And now moving this forward to Green Bay week six, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. We're, we're, I mean, you can't not talk about him and the offense, but this defense is pretty dang good. And Robert Sala talked about this Packers defensive line being very good. He said Rashawn Gary's playing at a Pro Bowl level. The challenge this week for the Jets offensive line to establish something up front is what? Probably to... In look at that Giants film, right, from last week. What the Giants O-line did really well was block 
for yards before contact for Saquon Barkley. 60% of his yards actually were amassed on the ground, not the passing yards, were amassed before he was first hit. That's a big deal because if you're running with a full head of steam, you have a chance to break even more tackles once they do make contact. So I think looking at those blocking schemes and trying to exploit the spots along the, like stay away from Kenny Clark, basically, like, you know, exploit, exploit the, the spots where there's a, the ability to earn just a couple extra yards to stay in manageable downs and distances. So play action can still work. All of the things that have been making Zach Wilson from, you know, not turn the ball over. That is, that is the key to this one. Also one thing that we, I have to point out because if you go back and watch the entire season for the Packers defense, and I know Jair Alexander has been banged up and not banged up, but deep crossers, they don't have any answer for deep crossers. Hmm. They don't, they, there's no answer. And the interesting part here is there's some guys on this team that could catch that deep, that deep crosser. So I'm interested to see kind of who, who will it be? I mean, there's a couple of options here, but I think that that could be, if you can set yourself up to let a few strategic deep plays take place, then it's much better because as good as this Packers defense is, it's not as good as maybe at least I thought ahead of the season, given the personnel, they're doing some things that are a little con- confusing. Um, like for example, Darnell Savage used to play more of like a robber role. And now he's just not doing that anymore. Like safety is so key, especially against young quarterbacks like Zach Wilson, because for whatever reason, if maybe it's because they didn't face it a lot in college in college, but you know, the, the zone looks are, are where areas where defenses have been more successful against these younger quarterbacks and others. So I think it, it'll be interesting to see if they can adjust. I think it's a fantastic point, and the Jets have 41 explosive plays so far this year, which ranks pretty much it's it's a top, I believe it's top 10 if not top five in the league. And explosive plays are 16 plus yard passes, 12 plus yard runs. So that's something definitely to keep an eye on. Which brings us to our second quarter: Zach Wilson, two games this season, two wins, and what did you make of the way that he played? against a Dolphins defense that it, it has talent. It was missing Xavier Howard and Byron Jones in the secondary, but they like to do a lot of things to, to try to confuse the quarterback, especially a young guy like Zach Wilson. I think that the use of quick passes, quick passes and short passes, so under 10 air yard passes. Now, there's a difference between those and the ones that are intended to travel just at or behind the line of scrimmage. Like, we're talking about strategic, like, keep pressure away. It's basically imitating a run in many cases because what you're doing is you're looking for a pass that's going to net you four or five yards, not a pass that's going to get you that explosive play like you defined. But Zach Wilson – perfect 11 of 11 like that was an area last week that was good it's also an area daniel jones was really successful at against them as well so that's that's uh, the first thing and then the second thing when you get the run game going and you get the short passing going, you can use play action really effectively and efficiently 125 of his yards last week were using play action so let's see if we can get that play action going don't you think that this pass game from zach wilson is kind of what you want to see like in terms of Robert Salas talked about last year, Zach Wilson playing quote unquote boring football, not needing to be Tom Brady, not needing to to throw the ball 300 yards all over the field, left and right, where Zach Wilson didn't turn the ball over and he played the game that came to him. Don't you think that's kind of an encouraging sign for Jets fans, even though there could be fans out there that are like, well, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, like they didn't really have the numbers and, that, that maybe you want to see. That wasn't the way that the game was played on Sunday. Do you think that was an encouraging performance from Zach Wilson? Absolutely. I think 
the biggest thing for any young quarterback, Zach Wilson, it, this is this is anyone. This is Patrick Mahomes several years ago. This is any quarterback. If we're going to see what their best is, who they can become, there's a few things that need to happen. One, it's just like you were at more reps and more, I'm going to use the word smart reps, meaning ones where the defense is able to be diagnosed very well. And then after the defense being diagnosed, then the play call is something that makes sense logically to the player. Why am I doing this? What am I looking at? Where is it intending to go? And then take those strategic deep shots when you have the, the, the flow going, right? So start with the things that are boring, with the vanilla stuff, and then add in some sprinkles over here, some chocolate sauce over there, and make your Sunday like really, really good. But none, no one, any quarterback who's asked to do it's way too much too early. Look at, I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't mean to for Trevor Lawrence to catch a stray here, but you know, when he's been asked to do things like throw outside the numbers deep, like that hasn't looked as good as when you've seen him do more strategic short stuff yet. And you know, they're of a similar class. He's played more games than Zach Wilson. I can't believe that you just dropped a chocolate Sunday in the podcast now, one now i really no, want about ice food for me <laughs> <laughs> i want ice cream now that is mm -hmm. very unfortunate because now i really do want a chocolate sundae quick side note what is your favorite ice cream flavor so hard um i love cookies and cream and How could you also not? yeah like salted caramel too but lately okay. i've like craved coconut ice cream which is so strange but i found this wow. brand that i really like of coconut ice cream so i'm a little phasey with things and then and then everyone's like it'll be like three months i like coconut and then i'll be like meh over it and then three months like it's strange but always cookies and cream always salted caramel what about mint chocolate chip it's a phasey one for me what about you hey uh, i i like mint chip for me it's like mint chip or it's cookies and cream slash cookie dough and then yeah. like, it, I usually defer to one of those. If I'm feeling like maybe, maybe I need a little refresher, which sounds weird and an ice cream form, it's mint chip. And if it's, it, it. I really, it really has to pass the eye test. Like when I'm in the ice cream parlor and I'm looking at the flavors, if I look at, if the ice cream color is green, I'm way in for whatever mm -hmm. reason, it's visually appealing. And that's mm -hmm. not just a Jets thing. And I love it. And but if the chips are like itty bitty chips, I'm out. Got it. See, that's so why I'm with cookie dough because I'm like a weird like I make a bake a lot of cookies, so I get I get real like if that isn't premium cookie dough, like if it's not something like really good, I'm out. I, I'm not into it. I I love that though. I love being a cookie dough, a food snob, a cookie <laughs> dough snob. A cookie I made. Dough snob. <laughs> <laughs> I made. I should send you this recipe. I made a a um a, a cookie skillet. That was like kind of like a s'mores cookie skillet and it was like in a cast iron in, thing. It was all in so good. So oh, every God. year I have to say, this is the the one drawback if not working with me, especially around the holidays, whatever like our main <laughs> holiday show is for on, on game day morning. Yeah. So I've been working with the same, you know, crew and staff for a long time now. And each one of them, I've like figured out like a cookie for each one. So we do oh, a yeah. giant I cookie table. I remember you saying this. Yep. Giant cookie table and each one gets their own cookie. A blessing and a curse working with Cynthia Freeland on game day. That, that's what I heard. I mean, pretty All much. Right. You know, you're going to get fat. It's cool. Well, I know uh, speaking for our producer, Matt Sitkoff and myself, you know, we, we love cookies. We wouldn't mind a cookie. I could probably two. mail you some, you know? Yeah. 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 We'll, 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 
We'll see. We'll make it happen. Matt Sitkoff hit me up on Microsoft Teams right now. Yes. All caps, like 55 exclamation points. So, (laughs) hey, Sitkoff, give me your favorite cookie. Give me your top three cookies. We'll talk about it during the halftime segment coming up in a couple minutes here. Let's talk about the Packers wide receivers. We've talked about the Jets wide receivers a little bit, and we're going to get into Aaron Rodgers in the second half. No Devontae Adams, Romeo Dobbs, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. What do you make of the way that Aaron Rodgers has played without Devontae Adams? Well, I don't know about you, but when I think of Aaron Rodgers, now you have to remember the state that I am from is Michigan, and there was a game where Aaron Rodgers threw a Hail Mary, and it was caught, <laughs> and it was pretty brutal. I mean, I'm not the in only Michigan. person. It, it it was I think it was actually in Green Bay, but it was against the Lions, okay, and fine. it was pretty heartbreaking. Um, you know, look, but I'm not the only team that has that experience. There's plenty of teams with that experience. But the reality is, is you think Aaron Rodgers and I have an association of deep passes being like like some sideline nonsense to Devontae Adams that like should never have come down. Right. But now what you're seeing is Aaron Rodgers leading the league in yards uh, in, in passes that are attempted to travel at or behind the line of scrimmage. I'm sorry. What? 32 percent of them. 30. That's a third. That's one out of every three passes. That's wild, especially for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Like, so when you're thinking, I, it's not all on him not to be, you know, like, look, it's, we'll, we'll talk about Aaron in a minute, but there's no, there, it's not coming together yet, right? Like when Mercedes Lewis, who, by the way, he was the 2006 draft class, you know, D'Amico Ryan's like, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, they were the same draft class. Like D'Amico Ryan's about to be a head coach, like has a whole other new career. And Mercedes <laughs> Lewis still catching touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. Wild stuff, wild. So look, the reality is, is they haven't gelled yet. It feels as though Alan Lazard is kind of the straw that stirs the drink, even though he doesn't have the most yards, but he does have the most touchdowns, three in his three appearances. But it's it's really about Aaron and those two running backs, at least for now. And those two running backs being Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones, I believe, leads the league in yards per carry over six, which is incredible. So the Jets definitely, especially coming off a game where Raheem Mostert went over the century mark, Jets going to need to be keyed in on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, which brings us to halftime. Cookie and time! Like, it's cookie time, and it's also cheese time. So, Matt Sickoff says his top – I asked for a top three. He gave me a top three all that have the form of peanut butter. Number one, peanut butter cookies. Number two, peanut butter blossoms. And number three, peanut butter chocolate chip cookies. I got you covered. I got you covered. I got it. <laughs> as long as there's – anyone will have to tell – will have to send me a list. I mean, what is not exciting is allergy lists. But just send me allergy lists later if there's anything anyone's allergic to. But no, I got I'm you covered for that. not allergic to anything. I don't think yet, at least. And so, okay. So what is your favorite cookie then? And what, like, if someone were making you a cookie and returning the favor, what is that cookie? That one's a tough one because – like I've, I, I am a, I'm a real weirdo when it comes to cookies, but it doesn't get better to me than like a really, really good chocolate chip cookie. Like if you can, you know, how oh. like they say chefs, yeah. like to, the chefs judge other chefs based That's on not like weird. Well, but like an, like an egg, like if you can cook it, how you cook an egg and yeah. your egg dishes. Well, I judge people who like to cook a lot of cookies they're on their chocolate chips are they using chips are they using chunks how crispy is it is it soft is it crisp? Wow. Wait, what are we doing here so all i care is that it's composed like have it match right don't have like it gooey chips with like a crunchy thing so then it just gets every have it be have it make sense make it make sense 
Okay, so just when I thought that I couldn't enjoy the podcast anymore, <laughs> you you go out and you say, one, your favorite cookie is chocolate chip cookie, which is my favorite cookie. And two, you threw in chocolate chunks. You said chips are chunks. I am a chocolate chunk stan. I love chocolate chunks. Wow. That was a huge moment for me. That you was know, amazing. I have a special way to make some chunks for you. It, you're going to, you you know, I'm not going to give it away. We'll have to, we'll have to save it. Yeah, for later, no, but. no, no, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't want you to give away any state secrets. I want to be surprised right. whenever that happens. But now I am, you, you, you teed me up with ice cream and then you brought in the chocolate chunks. You knocked it out of the park. Now comes a tough question. Cheese. First of all, are you pro or anti blue cheese? I mean, I don't sit around eating blue cheese. Like I'm not going to order it like on some, like a salad. Cause I just, I don't like it alone. Now I do like specific dishes that blue cheese is meant for though. Do you <laughs> like, know what I mean? Like, like wings, like wings, like, okay. like when it's, when it's meant for, I, it's not something I'm not going to like, if there's a charcuterie board and there's like some blue cheese, I'm like pass. But yeah, <laughs> when it's, when it's in, when it's a part of the, when it's the, when it's the thing, like part yeah. of the thing, then I, then I'm on. Right. So if you're, some people hate hold it. On. Hold on. If you're putting blue cheese on a charcuterie board, you got issues because it is too polarizing of a cheese to be one putting on a board for people to serve Two, It's definitely like a smellier cheese. Don't do that. And don't put it on the charcuterie board. The new so, trend. Have you seen this new trend where like people get this big, like a wooden cutting board and they do yep. like butter boards. So it's a lot of different Ooh. types of butters. Now that I had this blue cheese butter. That was Ooh. good. I've so never seen that trend, but I can get behind wild. it. It's wild. Like that it's, it doesn't travel well. Like you have to do it in your house and like put it <laughs> out. Like you can't bring it over to your friend's house. Like you are doing that in your, like you cannot. Right. But it is, it is wild. Like all these different types of butters and like different things mm. to dip them. It's really, it's, I mean, they're gorgeous and they're so like, it's going to be a problem for me because I love butter. Weird, okay. but yes, <laughs> but it's Enough, good. But this blue cheese butter I had was so good. It's like blue, blue cheese, cheese butter. butter, and then it had like I don't, I can't remember if it was mint or if it was like some something in it too. And you're like, oh, oh, okay, okay, yes, all the way in. Ugh. All right, well, I was not expecting that. I was in a much better mood talking about chocolate chip cookies and ice cream. Do you do blue cheese? Not really. I mean, like I, I could, I could dip my chicken wing in it, maybe. But like, if I have the option to go ranch and it's sacrilegious to Buffalo, I don't care. I don't. I'm not from there. I didn't grow up with it. I'm dipping right. my right. damn chicken wings in ranch. Good. Do what you got to do then. You know, if you want to do it, that's your. It's yours to do. Okay, I mean, but what about your favorite cheese though? Well, like blue cheese aside, you know, I know it's a polarizing topic. Like, what is? Do you have a favorite cheese or Havarti with dill? Whoa, that was so specific. I love that. It's not, not mine, but I love the specificity. About it. Yeah, well, because I think dip. it just goes with a lot of different things. And if you're going to eat it, like I love a good Gouda and I love a good like American cheese. It depends on why you're doing it. But if you're just going to mm -hmm. sit there and have like a bite of a Havarti with dill, gives you a little something, a little kick with the dill. You know, it's good. What did one cheese say to the other when it was wearing a blazer? Tell me. You, you look sharp. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, it's good. It's very good. I was looking up cheese puns yesterday because I made cheese curds last night. I, Yum. I, I air fried some cheese curds and they slap. So I'm I mean, looking up cheese puns. That's very good.
That's they're, they're basically like little mozzarella sticks. How do you not love them? I, I don't know. I mean, the, the word curd can get. Yeah, I know. It can I know. Throw it, you it a bit, gross. But but it's it just means chunk. Like a chocolate nope, chunk, you're right. you know, we you're get all, hey, back to it's all coming together. That's right. <laughs> that was fantastic. That's a great way to end halftime to answer the question. I asked you my favorite cheese is probably some form of like Parmesan cheese, like Parmigiano Reggiano. Parmigiano Reggiano. That's it. exactly right. Cause you could grate it. You could shred it. You could just charcuterie board it. There's so many things to do with it. I love it. It's great. Anyway, Perfect. I'm hungry. We're moving on to the third quarter. This is what everyone wants to know about. It's Aaron Rodgers. We talked about life without Devontae Adams. Well, the numbers for Aaron Rodgers, specifically at Lambeau Field against the AFC after losses, like everything that I just said, all point in the favor of the Green Bay Packers because Aaron Rodgers is a menace at Lambeau. I mean, 9-0 and coming off of losses back at Lambeau. We get it. And actually, it's funny because Matt LaFleur is 10-0. There was one Jordan Love game in there, which is, I don't know why I think that's funny, but but I kind of do. Um, look, it's those aren't wildly predictive, mostly because who are the opponents? What kind of team? What was the loss before? So it's just that one's a little bit more fun than anything else. Uh, the thing that's a little concerning here, if I'm like a Packers fan looking at this, is Aaron Rodgers has been sacked the second most often on third down. That's an obvious passing down. So it's really going to come down to whether or not this run game and pass game can work together because it's never – you can never count Aaron Rodgers out. Like Aaron Rodgers is I – don't, I don't mean to say he's not the problem, but Aaron Rodgers isn't the problem, right? He's not sitting there making bad decisions. But it's, it's a tough – it's a – it's a tough one because those the wide receivers aren't yet quite running the routes the way that Aaron wants him to. And I, I say that, not that Aaron's told me or anything, but you can see the frustration and the coaching that goes on on the sideline, which leads me to believe that that's my, my blues clues for that one. But, you know, it's, it's basically not the type of offense. Where it's not as imposing as it was last season or the season before. I think the third down stat is so interesting. To, to your point, it's an obvious passing down. And this Packers offensive line has a couple pro bowlers on it. David Bakhtiari working his way back. Didn't take a lot of snaps in London. Matt LaFleur said that was mostly because of the playing surface was turf as opposed to where Lambeau Field is at his grass. Elton Jenkins, right tackle, very good tackle. He's a pro bowler. The Jets defensive line, though, is heating up. Specifically last week, Carl Lawson, seven quarterback hits. That is the most out of any Jet in history in a single game. He, of course, had that strip sack that kind of changed their trajectory in the fourth quarter for the Jets. How did the Jets need to take advantage of the stat that you just said, that Rodgers has been sacked seven times on third down? So first off, let's give Carlos and his just desserts because I looked it up all of this, so we must we must put it yes. into good use. Number one is, as of right now, he has a 19.4% pressure rate, ranking second best in the NFL. Second. Number two, when I look at what Carlos is doing on an individual rate this last game, uh, well, that was a 25.9, so a 26% pressure rate on those seven. But overall, as a unit, here's where it's interesting. They had 21 pressures against the Dolphins, 17 of those pressures. Those were when they rushed four or fewer. So no blitzing. They didn't bring out any extra help. Just four. Go. Right? 
That's the third most in the season. So for any team this season so far, that's the third most such pressure. So they didn't bring any extra rushers and they got those pressures. Now, what happens when you can rush when you don't need to bring an extra guy? You can drop more people into coverage and more interceptions happen, which is why the Jets have the second highest interception rate. So part of the reason those two things working together, hand, glove, that's an interesting part because if you can pressure Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers he may not be under pressure league-wide the most. I think he ranks it's it's the fourth most. But it's when he's under pressure and how much for Aaron. Usually Aaron is under like very little to no pressure and especially not on third down. This man is under the most pressure he's been under in the past eight seasons. I can't track beyond that without a lot of extra work that isn't worth doing for <laughs> not yet at least. Eight seasons, most pressure through five game in his face, hard pressure, hard hits too. Not even just like, eh, there's this guy with this like a hand in your face, right? So that is really interesting. So if they can get pressure without bringing the extra man, yeek, that's tough. Well, I, I think it's a great point because I think a lot of people are at the point in the in the league where like in terms of time elapsed, games elapsed, where it's like, are these the teams who they actually are or are they not who they are yet? Like, you know what I mean? I feel like, I feel like to use an example of the Jets opponent next week, the Denver Broncos, a lot of people had high expectations for Denver right now. Denver's not looking like the team. Many people thought they were going to be, but I think a lot of people are like, well, are they, are they really what they're putting on the field right now? Or are they something else? And for the Packers, I feel like, Right now, the narrative is they're not the Packers of the last two years right now, but are they not or are they? Like, in your opinion, do you think teams have filled or um, do you think teams have showed their identity yet or you still were still a couple weeks away? So this season, more than any other season that I've tracked, so like 12, 13 seasons, we've had, number one, more major players move teams, which, of course, the Packers, they – that big guy, Devontae Adams, he's no longer there. I don't know if you've heard that maybe for the past 30 weeks or however long it's been going on for. But that's a big deal. So we've had – but just league-wide, right? Tyreek Hill's gone. A bunch of quarterbacks move. You talk about Denver. Russell Wilson's now there. So the most big-name, big, high-volume players to move in an offseason in, in at least 12 seasons. Number two, we've had a ton of injuries. Injuries to high-snap High percentage snap players, like uh, starters, let's just put it like that, but people who play a lot of snaps. So I don't know if we can accurately say a lot of these teams are or aren't who we think they are because they haven't been playing together with their presumable starters. But then again, you could make the argument, well, if they're not going to keep, when are they going to start, right? Like, so when is it going to become that, you know, we're, we're seeing the people who they want to be, who they are paying to, to play. So I mean, I would argue that the biggest thing for the Packers that I don't know is what is the identity of this defense? Like, we knew, no one, going into the season, people were like, Aaron Rodgers is going to pass for 6,000 yards and throw 50 touchdowns. Nobody thought that, right? So, but the difference is, is people were like, myself included, this is going to be one of the best defenses in the league, blah, blah, blah. They haven't really played like that. They, not even like a little bit, really but they do have the personnel to flip it around, which is why I think a lot of people are in this flux where it's okay. Well, you know, which team are the green Bay Packers, which team are you know, all 32 teams. You could make that argument for that was the third quarter, which means we got one, we got one quarter left. It's the fourth quarter. It's ironically the best quarter that the jets have played over the last two weeks. 21 they, unanswered, they, you know? Yeah. Uh, casual, casual. 
The Jets, <laughs> after being one of, if not the worst fourth quarter statistical team last year, are right now one of the best in the NFL. Largely, or not largely, but we, we've talked about the Jets secondary a decent amount. Four pretty much four new players compared to last year. LaMarcus Joyner was on both teams, but he only took a couple snaps before he tore his triceps tendon, which sounds very painful for the record. This is how we're going to wrap up the fourth quarter. The Jets secondary obviously did had a tall task last week with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. They rose to the occasion, even though it was Skylar Thompson playing quarterback for most of the time. This is a different test in Aaron Rodgers. Knowing that the Jets have more talent on the outside and in at safety and knowing that the Packers do not have Devontae Adams, do you think that they could trust their secondary a little more to try to stop Aaron Jones and try to really make this team one-dimensional Sunday? I think that but just like I talked about before, not bringing, not having to like, you know, use the blitz or bring extra pass rushers is a major advantage. Uh, it will be, they, it feels like, you know, when I, when I look at this team, it feels like Aaron Rodgers is going to, it's, it's very hard to say, oh, wow, Aaron's going to have a really hard time passing on any team. This, this is just, it's you have to compliment Aaron. Like you can't take that away from Aaron Rodgers, right? So, you know, at the same time, it's like I'll be interested to see what wrinkles and folds they add for this one because, you know, we've seen Sauce have an incredible start, but he's still a rookie. And you still have to say, like, facing Aaron Rodgers, that's a tough test for the very best corners in the league. So I think, you know, I, I, again, we just, it's just respecting Aaron Rodgers in this case. Right. So I think the youth is something or, and the, and the lack of, I think they'll, they're going to see some things that they maybe haven't seen before, because after all, this is one of, I mean, this is Aaron Rodgers is one of, one of the very best of all time. So, you know, it's, it's less about like that, a knock on anyone as, as it is like, well, I'm, I'm, I would, I, I feel leery of it kind of no matter what, because this is Aaron Rodgers. He, he is such a student of the game. Like I, I watched this, this, this is a competitor. Like I, at the match, I worked the match for, you know, the, the golf thing and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, this, this was for nothing, right? Like they, they just, it was for fun. Like they could win whatever Aaron Rodgers, it was 12 holes, right? He walked the course and played each hole three times. And I think he played two balls on each hole. So six times for 12 holes, just in preparation for something that like Charles Barkley and JJ Watt were like making fun <laughs> of the whole, like that is who this human is. So it's, it's not a, you know, it, and, and coming off of whatever happened with the giants, especially, you know, that's pro that was our first, the Packers first time in London. This is not something that like, I can see Aaron Rodgers being like, you know what? I'm just going to, have a medium week of practice and I'm not going to be mad at all. Right. Like I, I just, it's going to be, it's, it's just going to be a tough test. I would think for it's not, un, it's not unmanageable, but just, right. you know, you have to give credit where credit's due. Do you buy into speaking of London, the, the whole travel part of this in terms of football, where people are like, Oh, well, the Packers are, are, you know, some teams like the jets last year, they had their buy after playing in London, Packers don't have their buy. There's a pretty big time change there. They're coming back. They're playing at home, which is obviously beneficial for them compared to playing on the road after the London game. You buy into any of that stuff at all, or you just think like on game day, everyone's all hopped up on adrenaline anyway, that it doesn't even matter at that point. I think you're only as good as like the sum of your parts, right? So like, I, I don't necessarily, like, I know there's some teams that have like a hard time playing in different time zones. I think part of that is likely due to how they manage their schedules. 
Um, I just, I just don't think that this is one of those teams. Like, you know, you, you know, about like some coaches are far more strict. Some, you know, like you, when I, Belichick pops into your head, right? Like, and some coaches are far less strict. And I would imagine that the people who create the most predictable schedules probably have the best results. Like I've looked deeply into this data and it, there's not a lot that suggests much now individual teams do it did have some tendencies with coaches and if they mm-hmm. stayed you know like you used to see like you know teams will stay on the west coast for a week like the falcons did that between playing down here and then up in up in seattle so stuff like that is helpful but i think in part it's 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 not largely predictive and you know i think actually it's probably best to have a buy later in the season these early buys can be very difficult because it is a long season especially with an extra week of the season and if you're a a potential playoff team which the Packers are their division is is what it is and that means that they you know but they're probably not going to get the one and only buy so a little later is probably better so they're probably thinking about it like that as opposed to thinking about it like we're going to be tired from London Uh, that's a great peek behind the curtain and just one more question in the fourth quarter this is like the two-minute warning so with the Giants and Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, he obviously likes to confuse quarterbacks or try to send different blitzes, sometimes set, send the kitchen sink. The Jets really believe in getting after the quarterback with four, and you've illustrated how well the Jets have done that, especially last week. Going up against Aaron Rodgers, knowing that the Giants won, do you think that maybe that brand of football is better suited for someone like Aaron Rodgers to try to pressure him? Or do you think that maybe what the Jets do is better to play Aaron Rodgers where maybe you give him more time, but also you're dropping more defenders? I think, and this is going to be such an unsatisfying answer, but I think you need to make sure and put the, you know, what, what is that? I hate these football adages. The best way to beat Aaron Rodgers is to keep him on the sideline. But part of the reason why the Giants were so successful on defense is because Saquon was running the air out of the football and they kept burning clock, which put Aaron Rodgers in more high pressure situations just in general. And then they were able to pressure the Giants defense is on paper. Very. It's tough. They've got a lot of injuries. This is they. They kind of have no business winning that game if you just looked at personnel versus personnel. But part of it was because they were so they they were in these unmanageable down the distances. They couldn't get the couldn't get the momentum going back in the second half. So it's all about fast starts for the Packers. Look at the difference between that the Tampa Bay game and then when they can't get if they score on their first two drives, it's hard to it, the Packers can hold. Now, if they fall behind it's just they're not a team built to come from behind because of those the the lack of the you know reliable deep plays so start fast hand the ball off to Brees Hall and Michael Carter make just sure to Brees try to Hall eat as much all ball. day all day all day mm-hmm. Brees Hall Michael Carter short mm-hmm. passes suck the air out of the football long drives it's not very I, i'm sorry that's not like it's just not like the but I, I don't think you change your defensive complexion because they've got the right personnel doing the right things and they're young so keep them doing what they do well get the pressure without bringing the extra person drop a few like line the middles the second level of defense right. back a little bit and have them pick up any sort of short pass and play your brand because it is working but so don't adapt yourself here but be a little on offense, be a little bit like help them out. Like, cause it's, it's good for right. everyone. If you can establish the run game. 
And that is the perfect way to put a bow on the Game Preview Podcast, Week 6, Jets-Packers. That's that's all we got. I'm excited to see what happens because I think this is a good test for the Jets coming up, don't you say? Don't, wouldn't you say that this is like one of the bigger games like in terms of national media narrative? This is such an interesting game for a couple of reasons. But, you know, look, like, I think a lot of people, right after the draft, I was one of them. We all talked about how great of an offseason the Jets had had. And everyone was kind of like, well, is it, like, this year going to be good or, like, next year going to be good, right? Like, how much in the future are we talking about with, like, what the Jets have done? So this is really a strong test against, like, because I think the, the biggest question for anyone is, like, how do you stop Aaron Rodgers? Like, how do you – at Lambeau Field. Like if the, if the Jets come out and they beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field, like ain't nobody be able to talk to anybody on that team. <laughs> right? Like like that's that's incredible. So, it is a big test and also the the Packers, people were like, "All right, they're going to have a slow start." Like no one was sitting there being like, "Packers are going to come out and crush 14 games this season and just skate their way into the number 1 spot in the NFC." Nope. Packers need to fight through some stuff as well. So, it's kind of both teams at like different turning points, right? Like right. it's Pack, you know, Packers are like, uh, what, what is this? Whereas like, you know, Jets is like, well, what, what is this? Right? Like <laughs> it's a different, it's a different version of the same, of the same question. That was, that was a great like little analogy there. It's all about <laughs> the inflection, right? It's not about what you say. It's about how you say it. And mm-hmm. that was the game preview podcast. And now I need some ice cream and some chocolate chunks. Mm-hmm. For sure.